is Nitro Podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, and this is episode 24, looking at the December 4, 1995 episodes of Raw and Nitro. Before we get started, I'd like to invite you all again to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and to leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you do that, of course, you will be able to come on the show for an interview, another of which I conducted this morning with Carl, which will feature on our In Your House 5 slash Stark 8 95 episode. If you've already left us a five-star review and you've not yet been interviewed for the show and wish to do so, get in touch. Um, or if you do leave us one, keep in mind that some of the ones from other countries don't always appear on my feed, so take a photo and send it to me and let me know. Now, as for this episode of Raw and Nitro, they're both sort of smack bang in between pay-per-views. Raw coming off, or the WWF rather, coming off Survivor Series 95, where Bret Hart beat Diesel for the title, heading towards In Your House 5, where Bret will defend the title against the British Bulldog. And Nitro is coming off World War III, where Macho Man Randy Savage won the WCW title under some sort of dubious circumstances, and is going to be defending it at Starcade up against the winner of a triple threat between Sting, Ric Flair, and Lex Luger. This episode of Raw drew a 2.6, and this episode of Nitro drew a 2.2, meaning Raw won the ratings battle for the night. Raw's coming out of Richmond, Virginia, and Nitro is coming from Phoenix, Arizona. So that's the lay of the land. Let's snap straight into it, head over to Raw first, and get started. narrated by Vince McMahon, hyping us up for tonight's Intercontinental title match where Razor Ramon will defend against Dean Douglas. The highlight of this video was the line from Vince himself that said, can the 15-minute chump defeat the four-time champ? So they're really starting to bury Dean Douglas on air here. The hype video then transitions into some stuff for Marty Jannetty and Sid also on tonight's show and a look at, or a talk with rather, Shawn Michaels' doctor with sort of the insinuation being that it's going to be bad news and that Sean may not be able to return to action as soon, if at all. We have Bob Holly coming out for the start of the show. It's a really weird theme music. Um, I couldn't find it online, so I won't play it for you here, but it just didn't seem to fit. I don't know if it was dubbed over or not. And he will be taking on the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith, the number one contender for Bret Hart's title. And the Bulldog theme, of course, is all class, so we all know that one. And if you're from uh, England or that side of the world, then you probably love it as well. Um, Bob Holly is still in this phase where he's holding onto the long hair and the mullet. It's probably a couple more years before he gets rid of it, but he is starting to bald here, so it looks pretty ridiculous. Holly starts a match going for an arm drag, which the Bulldog powers straight out of, uh, but Holly does fire back with a nice hip toss, a body slam, and a couple of clotheslines for a two count before the Bulldog takes uh, his leave on the outside. He comes back in, and Bob Holly hits a nice power slam for a two count before the Bulldog picks him up in the press slam position and drops him dick first onto the top rope. Vince saying, had that been intentional, it would have been a DQ, but it didn't look like an accident to me. 
Holly comes back with a small package for a two count. Uh, if he did have a small package, that would have helped with the previous move. And the Bulldog then fires back with a huge clothesline and what I consider the best delayed vertical suplex in wrestling period. Uh, that gets him a two count before Bob Holly comes back with a sunset flip also for a two count. The British Bulldog picks Bobby Hull, Bob Holly up sorry, and just plants him with a regular body slam. I never liked when the Bulldog would do that. If you've got him up in the slam position, hit your finisher. It makes no sense wrestling logic, of course. Um, he then hits a leg drop. Before Bob Holly comes back with a drop kick, fires up and hits another drop kick and then goes for a 10 punch spot in the corner which gets him a two count and the Bulldog immediately comes back out, catches Bob Holly coming off the ropes, hits his running power slam for a three count in some really good booking making the Bulldog look strong against a named contender coming into his title match. Uh, the match itself was okay, it was quick and there was some good moves, there was no real lengthy rest spots and it wasn't too long to uh, gas either of them out so not too bad at all, good opener. We then see some footage of Bob Backlund attacking Bret Hart last week, putting him in the chicken wing, and we're told they will face each other next week. Uh, we see some footage of JR taking a cross face on superstars on the weekend of Bob Backlund before Jerry Lawler goes to the front row to interview Bob Backlund, stood in the crowd. He's told, or Lawler rather tells Backlund that he will be facing Bret next week in a non-title match. This seems to piss Bob Backlund off, who flips out, um, says he wants to be God again, insinuating that if he gets a title, he's God. He goes on a lengthy rant. It's really quality. Uh, Vince on commentary is trying to tell Lawler to stop him. Lawler can't stop him. Uh, a guy comes out with a cue card holding it up saying it's a commercial break. That can't stop him. Eventually they just cut off his sound and he's ranting to no, no sound and they go to a commercial break. When we come back, Backlund's storming off saying he's going to go looking for the sound engineer before we go to our next match which is Fatu up against the Brooklyn Brawler. The brawler attacks Fatu right off the, the bat, but I very much doubt it will make a difference against Fatu. And Fatu fires back with a backbreaker. He then hits some sort of diamond cutter variation before going up top for a top rope splash and getting the 1-2-3 in a very brief squash match made Fatu look pretty strong. We go backstage to Doc Hendricks, and before he gets a chance to shill as anything, he's interrupted by Bob uh, Backlund putting on the crossface chicken wing on a sound engineer and really going crazy at sort of a sound technician type area. Um, and then we go back and Doc Hendricks is talking about Diesel accepting the open challenge that we talked about last show from Owen Hart. So it will be Diesel against Owen Hart at In Your House 5. And then we get another commercial teasing Shawn Michaels' doctor and his comments to come later in the show. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it's time for our Intercontinental title match. Dean Douglas up against Razor Ramon. Razor stood there with his belt on, his vest, his gold, and his toothpick. And Dean Douglas walks up and slaps a toothpick right out of Razor's mouth. 
Razor looks a bit pissed off, picks a toothpick up off the canvas and immediately throws it into Dean Douglas's face before turning around to take off his gold and, and his ring attire. But Dean Douglas attacks him from behind, ripping the title belt off him, uh, feigns that he's going to hit him with it, but tosses it away so he doesn't get disqualified. When he comes off the ropes, Razor catches him and hits him with the SOS slam, then a hip toss before locking in an armbar. While he's got the armbar on, the cameraman shows his Razor's legs, and he's got Sean on some tape around his leg, a uh, bit of a tribute to his fallen friend there, before Dean Douglas comes off the ropes with a very sloppy-looking second-rope bulldog. Um, it didn't look clean at all and this was sort of the first sign of i've heard before and the guys over at new blood rising might be able to confirm some of these stories as well since they're very close with dean douglas um I, i've heard from him that he didn't feel razor cooperated in, with him in his matches and this match might be what he was talking about because that was sloppy he then picks razor up for a slam and he has some obvious uh, trouble um really sort of can't get him up and we end up with Razor throws him outside the ring, and they try and sell that he's got a back injury there, but it, the moves that he was having trouble with predate the back injury, which is what made me think this might be where he's, he's talking about. Um, we go to a commercial break, and we come back mid-move. or Sorry, they went away mid-move. When we come back, they show us the replay of that move, so it's a little bit awkward. Um, Dean hits a splash off the second rope as well. It wasn't a very good splash. It's looking pretty shit. He puts on an abdominal stretch. Then he ends up trying to go for it a second time, but Razor reverses it and puts one on his own. Dean powers out of the abdominal stretch and goes to hit a hip toss, which again is a real struggle, and Razor does appear to sandbag him, so it didn't look good at all. Um, Dean goes up to the ropes and comes off with a body press, which Razor rolls through for a two count before nailing him with a clothesline and hitting the Razor's edge for the one, two, three. So this wasn't much of a match. Dean Douglas's offense didn't look good at all, um, and Razor finished him off with his finisher in pretty short order without much of a struggle. So I can definitely see some of Dean Douglas's side of you know him being a bit pissed off that Razor didn't work with him and didn't help him. On the other hand, he was shit, so I can't really blame Razor. When we come back, we go to the Brother Love Show again, second week in a row, so cool there. And he's going to be with Mabel this time, so this should be interesting. He says to Brother Love, says to Mabel that there's something missing, and Mabel falls over his own words trying to tell Brother Love that it's none of his own business. Anyone would think he was auditioning to be on this podcast. He was tripping up so often. Brother Love tells us about a casket match coming up at the In Your House pay-per-view and says Mabel declares himself the first man to have ever pinned The Undertaker, which I'm calling bullshit on for a fact because I know that Hulk Hogan pinned him about six days after losing because Hulk Hogan doesn't go long without getting his heat back, brother. Brother Love tells Mabel that he has a surprise for him. Mabel again struggles to talk and he says that he doesn't like surprises. Brother Love then says, I have a surprise for you. And Mabel struggles to say, I thought I told you I didn't like surprises. And it's deja vu all over again as they go back and forth here. A druid comes out with a casket. Then the druid gets on the apron. Brother Love asks the druid to reveal himself. And it turns out to be Mo in a druid's outfit. And Mabel really fucks up the promo when he says to him, what, have you turned Mo against me or something? It just sounded so stupid. The crowd got zero reaction for this because they could quite clearly see that wasn't what happened, making Mabel the stupidest person in the building. Brother Love says, the second surprise, Mo, can you reveal the casket, which is under a big blanket? And he tries to lift the blanket off and fails two or three times, eventually getting it off. And we see that they've put graffiti over an Undertaker casket and basically say that's what Mabel's going to stuff the Undertaker in, in the casket matched in your house. This was a really bad promo and a real letdown from the previous week's Brother Love excellence. 
Before we go to a commercial break, we see Razor in the backstage psyching up Marty Jannetty for his big match with Sid. And then when we're in the commercial break, we see again the World Tour de Force ad. And this time, holy shit, they're going to Canada for a show. Just the one, then they're coming back to do five more in America before telling me it's an international tour de force. But hey, at least they've crossed the border. We also get an ad for the upcoming Raw Bowl, which if anyone like me likes to keep track of what's being added to the network, there's a little Reddit site, um, I think, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like uh, WWE Network or something like that. I don't really understand Reddit, but I follow it on one page on my phone. And um, the Raw Bowl has been the bone of contention of what's not been on the network ever since I've been following this thing. They update all these Raws and everyone's constantly tweeting the WWE Network. When's the Raw Bowl? You can't say it's complete. There's no Raw Bowl, blah, 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 blah. Once it's so, it was so heavily followed on this thing that once on April the 1st, they put up that the Raw Bowl had been updated and the place went crazy when they realized it was an April Fool's joke. And this past week or two weeks ago, the WWE actually did update the Raw Bowl and the thread went crazy with something like 150 replies compared to the normal five or six that they get. So um, it was very interesting to see this advertised on the network and I am looking forward to getting there and watching it after all the hype. Apparently it's a pretty shit show, but I'm still interested nonetheless. Barry Dodinsky is trying to shill us some cardboard cutouts of Diesel and Bret Hart. Um, not sure what the fuck you would do with one of those, but hey, somebody obviously bought them. And we go to our main event, which is Sid Justice up against, not Sid Justice anymore, it's Psycho Sid, sorry, up against Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty runs in and attacks early before hitting a crossbody. He then stupidly goes to the well one time too many, attempting a second crossbody. Sid catches him and hits a bit of a variation on the world's strongest slam. Uh, Sid begins to pound away on Marty, charges in the corner, but Janetti gets up his feet for some boots and then hits the diamond dust. Wasn't called that, but that's what he hit, which was pretty cool. Comes off the, runs off the ropes and hits a fish drop, gets a two count. Uh, Razor Ramones watching on a screen backstage as we go to a commercial. Sid's on the offense when we come back, hitting a clothesline, which Marty Janetti sells with a big flip, which is cool. Uh, he goes for a sunset flip when he gets up, Marty. Sid goes to punch him, but hits the floor. But then Marty turns into another clothesline and uh, flips again. So a little bit weird repeating the spots so quickly after each other. Uh, Sid gets a two count and after this puts on a chin lock uh, before throwing Marty Jannetty over the top rope to the floor where Ted DiBiase can give him a bit of a kicking, put some punches in. The one, two, three kid comes out and nails Jannetty with a big knee to the back of the head, which brings out Razor, who gets in the ring chasing the kid. The bell sounds, we're not sure what happened. Razor nails Sid as he's going through. The kid hightails it into the crowd. Razor follows him, and back in the ring, Sid nails Marty Jannetty with a monstrous powerbomb uh, before going to an ad break. When we come back, the actual last segment of the show is Shawn Michaels' doctor, so good to see he got main event billing. They make sure very early on in his, in his talking to say that he was watching Raw at home and he was very concerned about Shawn Michaels. I'm calling bullshit on that. He was not. Uh, he talks about concussions, says so how the tests are not looking good for Shawn. They show clips of Shawn Michaels winning the 95 Rumble, taking the three power bombs from Sid after WrestleMania 11, the ladder match at SummerSlam. The doctor says that he's got brain damage in no short, uh, no short order, so that was interesting. And um, Vince does a really bad impersonation at the end of a South Park episode where they've all learned a lesson. We all look up to superstars and place them on a pedestal. We think they're indestructible. 
we think they don't feel pain, blah, 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 blah. This is really boring. Um, it's very cheesy, it's very lame, and compared to what's on Nitro in the main event that we're going to get to in a minute, it was a bad idea to end with this. It wasn't dramatic, it wasn't emotional, it was just a shit way to end Raw. So, um, mark down for finishing off with a doctor talking about post-concussion syndrome when everybody knows he's going to be coming back, and for again mentioning nine thugs in Syracuse when we know it wasn't that many. Come on, stop working us. Anyway, that'll do it for Raw. We're going to head over to Nitro and see what they've got to offer now. team of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Eric Bischoff and Steve Monko McMichael with Pepe dressed up as his guardian angel this week. Uh, we talk about Lex Luger taking on the Macho Man Randy Savage in the main event for the World Heavyweight title. We talk about the Starcade situation and it's a little bit confusing because it's Lex Luger versus Sting versus Ric Flair for a shot at the title but Lex is facing Macho for the title tonight. Um, they try throughout the show to explain what will happen, but it's not until right at the end that I understand what they're saying. They finally clip it up later. Um, spoilers, essentially, if Lex wins the title, Macho will then go into the three-way dance for a shot at the title, and Lex will be the one to face the winner. Um, there's also some confusion in there about Flair's not going to wrestle earlier in the show, but Lex and Singh will against Japanese opponents. So it was a bit of a convoluted mess, um, which the WCW title scene has been for a few months here now. Um... We're also told Hulk Hogan, the Giant, and Ric Flair are all on probation by WCW for their actions last week um, in sort of the outside the ring shenanigans and brawling that led to Macho being chokeslammed on the floor, etc. And then we open up with the American Males taking on Harlem Heat for the tag team titles. Harlem Heat come out with Sherry, and uh, the American Males music takes quite a while to cut in. They're already sort of five or six steps down the ramp before it comes in. Again, I'm not sure if that was a network thing or a problem on the night for production. Um, but that's the way it's been so far. Stevie Ray and um, Scotty Riggs start off with Stevie Ray pounding away before Scotty Riggs comes back with a couple of drop kicks. Stevie Ray catches him with a sidewalk slam and tags in Booker T. Scotty Riggs catches a forearm on Booker and tags in Buff. Uh, the American Males double team both, backdropping Stevie, and that nearly went bad. He didn't look like he knew whether he was taking a backdrop or a flapjack and sort of ended up really folded up before he hit the floor. 
Colonel Robert Parker appears in the aisle with a gift, um, probably for Sherry, we're assuming here, uh, before Booker T sends Riggs into the post. Stevie comes in and hits a world's strongest slam on Scotty Riggs, and then Sherry gets uh, the gift from Colonel Robert Parker and gives him a kiss. We get back into the action in Harlem Heat of beating down Riggs as Sherry leaves with Colonel Robert Parker, and the camera pans over, and apparently she's got a ring from him, so that's that. Booker T hits a spin kick, um, as we see a crowd shot of AC Green. He's basically screaming at Booker and Harlem Heat are quite happy to get in on the argument here, so they're both having a bit of a row with AC Green in the crowd. AC Green, Phoenix Suns player, they are in Phoenix, also known as the Iron Man of the NBA. For the Lakers, he once played 1,192 straight games, but more importantly, he's, one of, he's a bit of a footnote on a lyric in one of my favourite albums of all time. Bitch, don't call here anymore. We feel like Beverly's. Bitch, don't call here anymore. No, 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 no. What up? It's Hitman. I ain't at the crib right now, so you can leave a name and number after the beep, unless it's Tammy's ugly ass. I fuck it with you. I digress. Uh, the distraction allows Scotty Riggs to get a roll up for a two count. Um, Stevie Ray fires back though and goes up for a beta bomb, which Riggs gets his knees up on. Um, Buff comes in and goes on the attack on both with clotheslines and suplexes before all four men end up getting into a brawl. And the distraction allows Harlem Heat to isolate one of the, the males, hitting the Harlem hangover and getting the one, two, three. We go off to a commercial break, and when we come back, it's Mean Gene with Sting and Lex Luger. Sting talks about the title situation and how they're best friends. Um, they agree to not hold back uh, when they face each other, Luger doing the same. Nothing's really cleared here. It's still a little bit murky what's going on with Lex on the heel-face divide, but they're both still swearing allegiance to each other, despite saying they will take each other on if the title's on the, on the line. We go to our next match from here. Sting just basically walks down the ramp after his interview, and he'll be taking on Kurosawa. Eric Bischoff tells us we're here in action when everyone else is paying bills, so I'm assuming Raw was on a commercial at this point in the night. Sting hits a drop kick to start off, and we bail out pretty early for an outside brawl. Before we go back in, and Kurosawa goes after the arm of Sting. Sting fights back and hits a Sting a splash before putting on the Scorpion Deathlock and getting the submission victory in a very quick squash match. Um, Kurosawa had been looked booked to look like a bit of a monster recently, so this was interesting that they had Sting go over him in probably a minute, if that. And from there, we go to a commercial for the upcoming Starcade pay-per-view, informing us that it will be New Japan Pro Wrestling up against World Championship Wrestling, so that should be good. What action! The streets of the Orient. It's an invasion from the land of the rising sun. And WCW Starcade 95. Spears collide as the high flyers of New Japan square off against the mad pounding pros of WCW at Starcade 95, Wednesday, December 27th, live on pay-per-view. From there, we're told that on Saturday night, Big Bubba Rogers will take on Eddie Guerrero, so that should be interesting. Before going to our next match, which is Scott Norton up against the Giant, 
Norton bounces off the ropes early, looking for a shoulder block on the Giant, and when he hits him, he absolutely flies across the ring. Norton, that is not the Giant. Uh, Giant hits a nice delayed slam on Norton. Before Norton gets a hold of the Giant, who misses a clothesline, and lifts him up and holds him for quite a while for a very impressive-looking atomic drop, uh, Norton punches with both of them selling like they've been going for 25 minutes when we're really a couple of minutes in here. Eric Bischoff says, we'll stay on the air as long as we need, which, you know, this is sort of midway through the show, so that was a weird thing to say. And then he says, WCW, the C stands for committed. So apparently this is world committed wrestling. So that was interesting. I never knew that. Norton comes off the top rope, but he's caught by the Giant, hit with a massive choke slam and the one, two, three. So some more strong booking for the Giant. Didn't do much for Scott Norton, though. From there, we go to Mean Gene, who introduces Ric Flair, but instead of Ric Flair, out walks Charles Barkley, keeping the NBA theme going for the night. Um, Flair comes out behind him, and they walk to the ring together. They get in, and Charles Barkley basically tells everyone that he loves Ric Flair. Ric Flair calls him the best basketball player alive, which is a bit of a stretch of the truth there. Um, Charles Barkley says that he loves Flair, that the best fans of basketball and wrestling are here in Phoenix, and even though they love him, they need to love Flair as well. And Flair tells Hulk Hogan, Sting, the Macho Man, and Lex Luger to watch out, or Charles Barkley might give up the NBA and become a for become a horseman. So interesting little sort of local promo there. Didn't really advance much at all, and it was weird to have Barkley come out with a heel Flair, but it was still cool. We go to our main event of the evening, which is Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart up against the Macho Man, Randy Savage for the World Heavyweight Title. Lex Luger offers a hand to the Macho Man, but Macho Man blasts him right away. Lex avoids him in the corner and comes out and hits a clothesline. Pretty early on, they go out to the outside for a brawl, uh, which gets back in pretty quickly as well, before Macho comes off the top with an axe handle for a two count for the first near fall. Eric Bischoff talks about how big of a match this is and what an event it is, and it makes me wonder exactly how many pay-per-view main events they wasted on Nitro over the years. Lex hits a nice suplex, but comes off the ropes with a weird-looking elbow, which misses. Uh, Macho Man attacks Lex Luger's arm, a bit of revenge for Lex doing his arm the month prior. And we go to a commercial break and I have the Starcade 95 ad up again. We go, uh, we come back and there's some more outside the ring brawling. Before coming back in, a macho man is all over the arm of Lex Luger. Uh, for some reason on commentary, Steve McMichael calls Bobby Heenan fat boy out the blue, which is a little bit weird. Before Macho acts like he's going to go for a suplex, but hits a small package instead for a two count. Then sends Lex Luger into the post, then flies into Lex Luger who moves on the outside and macho man hits the rail. Lex comes back with an eye rake as Macho Man then blinded swings at the referee. He does miss though, so the match goes on. And Lex is selling the arm really well here, hitting a clothesline on Macho without lifting the other arm up, which was quite cool. Uh, gets a two count off that. Hits a couple of elbows, selling the arm, the other arm after both. Hits a, gets a two count off that. Hits a knee lift and then three more elbows for a two count. And he's really selling his arm like a boss before they come off the ropes and have a head clash and both go down. When they get back up, Macho Man whips Luger in the buckle and hits a clothesline for a two count. Then he notices that Jimmy Hart has removed one of the other turnbuckles. Lex goes to send Macho into it, but Macho reverses and sends him into it. Lex Luger flies back and knocks a referee down, allowing Macho to go up top and hit the flying elbow, but there's no referee to count. Jimmy Hart gets on the apron, Macho Man grabs a hold of him. While Macho Man has a hold of Jimmy Hart, Ric Flair sneaks out with some brass knucks and nails the Macho Man. Another weird booking move since he'd been out with a, a babyface Charles Barkley earlier on. Uh, Hulk Hogan comes out and stalks Flair, who had attempted to escape up the aisle. Um, stalks him right back down to the ring, but notices the referee's about to count, so he grabs the referee's arm. Commentators sell this that he might face some fines since he's on probation. A bell sounds, and then 
As Hulk goes to nail Lex Luger, who's gotten back up, Sting had come out to break it up. Lex moves and Hulk nails Sting. Macho Man separates the two of them as we go to a commercial break. And when we come back, Gene's in the ring to debate uh, between Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan what's going on. They talk about Sting's allegiance and morals and who'd stick up for who. Sting with a few funny lines about, I don't always trust Macho Man, but you'd stick up for him, wouldn't you, Hulk? So that was a little bit weird. Um... Hulk and Sting are sure as they will team up next week and they'll be on the same page. Lex tells us that he's friends with, uh, sorry, Sting tells us he's friends with Lex, but he's trying to turn him on the straight and narrow as the commentators sign us off. It was a little bit weird here because Macho Man was kind of stood behind Gene, Lex, and I keep saying Lex, Gene, Sting, and Hogan, and became very much a background player despite being the heavyweight champion. Um, all in all, a pretty solid effort on the main event, um, but Macho Man definitely could come out of this looking a little bit stronger in my opinion. Lex clearly had the pin on him, even if it was by nefarious means. That'll do it for Raw and Nitro, so let's head over and see who won. comes to the rankings for these two shows, we start off with production value, and we went with WCW simply because they ordered their segments right. They finished the main event with a big match, not a doctor talking, boring the crowd. Both had some production flubs on this one, with music not starting or not cutting in, or potentially even the wrong music playing, um, or been, has been dubbed over, but WCW wins because the format of the show was much better. Characters, I went with WCW again, purely because there was no Bret Hart, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, or Undertaker on Raw, so that's you're really your big four at the time. We had Razor and Sid, who were probably the second-tier guys in the WWF, but no big main events were on the show. Storylines, however, we went with the WWF because they kept it simple. Mabel came out to hype his match with The Undertaker. The Bulldog was booked strong because he's got a, a title match coming up. Bob Backlund's in a two-week program with Bret Hart and continued that on, showing his madness. And the main event uh, angle sort of... Really, it, it discussed Sean, the main event match. It did build to a big tag match coming up at the In Your House pay-per-view and kept some good heat going there. Crowd heat, we went with WCW. The biggest pop of the night was actually Charles Barkley, so we've given it to WCW for that reason. Neither crowd was dead, but neither crowd was hot. Um, a few chants and a bit of heat, but nothing major. There was nothing really to write home about. It was a bit of a met week for crowds, so WCW gets the win for bringing in a hometown sports star. Going to match quality for the final pick of the night, and this one again went with WCW. Um, the main event, Sting and Luger, while it was, uh, sorry, Savage and Luger, Terrible with names today. Savage and Luger wasn't an all-time classic. It was a good, solid main event. Um, decent match. And the other two matches, while squashes, did book the right guys. The opening tag match was quite solid as well. Whereas Raw saw two, two very quick squash matches and an okay main event with a DQ finish. So... WCW takes a nod there, and despite losing the ratings battle on this night, in my opinion, had the far superior show, so another win to WCW here. It has been quite neck and neck so far on the timeline, and it's very interesting going back and seeing that there wasn't sort of one show had a long reign of dominance, followed by another having a long reign of dominance in the beginning. It was very much neck and neck, even if leaning towards WCW in the overall ratings. That'll do it for this show. Keep your eye out because there's a lot of big things coming up in the timeline now. We're heading fast towards the December pay-per-views, which will finish off for 95. Um, a couple more episodes of Raw and Nitro in there as well. We're going to be having a flashback to some earlier pay-per-views in 95. And there's an episode coming after the break with a 94 pay-per-view schedule as well. And there's going to be a couple of movie episodes thrown in there somewhere along the line 
as well. So do keep your eyes peeled. There's a lot of stuff coming up. Also, another request, if anyone knows where I can find the 2010 episodes of Impact, let me know. Because if that is, if anyone helps me find it or if I do come across it, uh, myself and Duncan from then, now, and whatever, we'll jump back on board and do the secondary Monday Night Wars as a bit of a side project. And that's something I'm very much hoping to do in the near future. Uh, any feedback, any comments, obviously get in touch on Twitter. And that will do it for this episode. Look for us coming out again sometime in the next week or so, with depending on what goes on over Christmas. Uh, if you don't hear from me before Christmas, I hope everyone has a nice Christmas and keep it safe. Thank you all. The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee <laughs>